Welcome into another edition of what Barry's talking about from Barry 360. I'm Dan Blakely. On this week's program, Barry Mayor Alex Nuttall makes his regular monthly visit, giving us insight into the city's plans regarding homelessness in the city. We meet the newest member of the Barry Baycats, a local lad who walks tall and hopes to carry a big bat. Are you camping this summer? If you're new to it, even if you're not, Scouts Canada has a camping cluelessness number you can call to help you get through. The do-it-yourself online market is back in time for Father's Day and is also looking to bring local businesses together. And it may look funny, but it tastes fine and the price is right. Eat Impact is bringing odd-shaped fruit and veggies to dining room tables in Barrie. But first, can't remember a time it's been this smoky in Ontario. Environment Canada's forecast for the end of this week makes no mention of sunshine, clouds, or even a mix of sun and clouds, just widespread smoke. In 40 years plus of broadcasting, I've never seen a forecast like that. We're coughing, our eyes are watering, it's worse for some than for others. Barry 360's Will Conkin reached out to Dr. Emil Prickrill at the Simcoe Muskoka District Health Unit for advice in dealing with the smoke and its effects. There's been a smoky haze for the past little bit, especially today, coming from uh, forest fires out in Quebec, I believe. And it's uh, filling the air in Barrie with an air quality advisory in place for the region. And Barrie, um, maybe to start, which population is more susceptible when the air quality is poor, like this? Certainly, there uh, everybody is at risk, but there are certain higher-risk populations, namely younger children, older adults pregnant women as well, and also people with pre-existing heart and lung conditions in particular. Uh, people with diabetes and other uh, living with cancer and other chronic conditions are at uh, slightly increased risk as well. It seems everyone should be kind of cautious when the air quality is like this. Um, what are kind of maybe the overall do's and don'ts when it is like this? Yeah, I mean, the best way to protect your health is to reduce your exposure to wildfire smoke as best you can. Um, there are many ways to try to do that, though. It's not realistic to you know, stay indoors 24-7 for most people. But uh, paying attention to the air quality health index, because that does change over time, that's important. So keep an eye on what level we're at. We're at moderate right now, for example. Um, limiting outdoor activities, especially strenuous physical activities. And if you have difficulty breathing or are experiencing some of these more severe symptoms, like chest pain or... Um, severe coughing, palpitations of the heart, wheezing, dizziness, then you should be stopping these activities altogether. In fact, with those symptoms, you should be seeking healthcare attention uh, right away. Sometimes, though, you know, if you're working outdoors or spending time outdoors, or there's no two ways about it, uh, there are some additional safety measures you can consider, uh, if, especially if you're already at higher risk, uh, one of these uh, groups that are at higher risk, then wearing a respirator mask, uh, for example, a NIOSH-certified N95 mask or equivalent respirator can help to reduce the, the risk by reducing the exposure to the fine particles in the smoke. Um, it doesn't completely remove the risk, but it, it is another measure that you could consider. And then when you're indoors uh, or at home, for example, keeping the windows and doors closed, turning on the AC if you have AC, um, that would be the right thing to do. If you don't have air conditioning or if it's too warm to stay inside with the windows closed, for example, then seeking out local cooling or clean air spaces uh, is, uh, is a good idea. And contacting your community 
your municipality for further information on what those centers are. Often community centers, libraries, other uh, facilities of that nature are used for cooling uh, or for clean air uh, spaces in these kinds of situations. I guess probably keeping hydrated is a big thing. Yeah, certainly drinking plenty of water to help your body cope with the smoke is important uh, during the time when you expose and also afterwards too because uh, the impact on health of smoke can be immediate but can also have uh, kind of delayed effects many hours or even several days uh, down the line. So continuing to stay hydrated, it can potentially uh, irritate or dry out the skin that's uh, corrected if the smoke is really uh, significant. Um, but it also just helps uh, to, uh, to some degree, remove some of the uh, buildup of the different kind of chemicals and toxins that are in the smoke, of which there are many different uh, things in the mixture. Um, and in addition to the drinking water piece, uh, checking on others, especially people that are more vulnerable that we talked about, uh, to make sure that they're not developing symptoms, to make sure they're doing well. It can even impact mental wellness, mental health. Uh, for some people, it can be a very stressful situation when it's really smoky outside, and so it can have different impacts on different people. So being aware of all that is important too. If someone's like, oh, hey, I'm healthy, I don't have any risk, I'm not within that more vulnerable population, but should they still be weary themselves? Because it seems like it can kind of sneak up on anyone. That's right. Yeah, it's important to be aware of it and to, it is a bit of an individual risk assessment at the end of the day, but um, it's important to keep an eye on those air quality indices and self-monitor for symptoms. So anything from the more mild symptoms like irritated eyes, nose and throat, um, headaches, mild headaches, mild coughs, um, those are just useful kind of warnings that, okay, I'm being exposed to the smoke, maybe I should reconsider you know, the time I'm spending outdoors today, um, to the more severe symptoms that we were talking about, like uh, shortness of breath, wheezing, severe coughing, chest pains, those are the ones where you should be calling 911 or seeking healthcare attention as soon as possible. So everybody should be keeping an eye out uh, for themselves and for others for those kinds of symptoms, and, and like you said, staying well hydrated and, and keeping up to date with the advisories around the, the air quality. Lots to take into consideration, to be sure, over the next few days. Be careful out there. Barry City Council is looking at some controversial proposals for addressing homelessness, a blend of funding and bylaws that have taken some off guard, angered many, but may be misunderstood. In his regular monthly visit, Mayor Alex Nuttall outlines the program, which is not a given, what the intent is, and what the next steps are. He's with Barry 360's Ian McLennan. This was a motion that was passed at City Council, a number of uh, proposals and ideas. Is this written in stone now? Because there has been some confusion whether this is the law or could be the law. So what we've asked staff to do is to go away and to uh, work on what they believe is going to uh, be most effective and then report back to us as well. And part of that motion was also to have a public meeting. So we'll be able to run some of these ideas by. Now, some of the uh, items when the staff are bringing them back will be, hey, we've gone ahead with this or we're going ahead with it. Uh, and some of them will be, we have these options, which way does council want to go? So we're waiting for that information to come back from our public servants. And once it does, then we'll certainly have more to go to the public meeting on. What we do know is what we've been doing hasn't been working. 
Uh, we haven't seen uh, lots of people uh, getting uh, some, some long-term help in terms of uh, mental health or addictions issues. We haven't seen uh, reduction in the number of folks. Uh, and this is obviously uh, something that we need to deal with uh, from the top of the, the supply chain uh, all the way uh, down to the street. And so uh, we've been uh, consulting, looking at uh, uh, proposals and, and, and certainly, uh, you know, so, some of some, um, I guess, opinions coming from organizations that deal with uh, prescription drugs and, and how they're being issued right down to uh, what's been happening in some of our public spaces and uh, the lack of ability of, of our, uh, you know, our, our children's leagues in, in the summertime to be able to use those spaces anymore. I think you reference Queens Park down by yeah. the old hospital. Absolutely. Uh, some of the issues that were said, you know, was how much consultation was done. I know there's going to be a public meeting with some of the service providers when drafting this motion. Was there chatter with them or? Yeah, so we spoke with quite a number of them. Um, I think it's probably difficult to say that uh, we spoke with all of them because that just wouldn't be true and there's so many. But uh, certainly we've spoken with quite a number of our local service providers from, uh, you know, the Busby to Elizabeth Fry to uh, John Howard um, and and others and, and organizations represent many of our local service agencies. And uh, that's where the requests, I think, were coming in with regards to the heating and cooling center and funding that uh, that heating and cooling center in a more permanent way. It's been sort of, you know, uh, haphazardly done to date. And so going forward, we need to make sure there's sustainable funding so that it's predictable, easy, and folks know where and how to use and access that service. It's the same with the uh, Salvation Army. We were receiving requests for help getting the food uh, together for lunches and, and dinners, et cetera. And uh, so we've actually outlined that's one of the initiatives we want to see happen is either through the Salvation Army or another like organization, let's get that food back out that needs to be to be uh, given. And so, dist- distributed. Yeah, distributed. Yeah. Now, Busby as an outreach fan, is that would that still continue or are they a concern? Yeah, so what we've asked uh, as part of the motion, you'll see that there is an item with regards to the provision of uh, tents and food in public spaces. And so uh, what we're asking uh, our local social, social service organizations and our local citizenry to do is to make sure that these things are happening in the appropriate places. And I'll give you an example. You know, we had uh, some of that happening at Heritage Park. And so we're trying to attract it. We're spending dollars attracting tourism down. We're having our local families go down there. And at the same time, you're seeing, you know, harm reduction and food uh, and other other supports being given out find in that place. So, yeah, so I think it's important, and it's not just in the downtown, right? Like we have, there's issues that are that exist in the south end as well, and the north end uh, as well. So uh, it, this isn't just a downtown issue. I use that as an example because everyone knows it, but uh, there's also the need for uh, like spaces in the south end, north end. So we're working on that and where and how that'll take place. Uh, so that we can do it in a more responsible manner and protect our our family spaces for for uh, for families. Now there are concerns about to prohibit the use or distribution of tents or tarps in public spaces, prohibit distribution of food, grocery products. Issue about panhandling: don't give to panhandlers. You're going to put signage up. How would you respond to those who say that you're criminalizing homelessness? Well, I think that what we're trying to do is ensure that individuals who are hurting and who are on the street have the opportunity to actually get that long-term help that uh, that's needed. And so uh, we need our social service service agencies who are best positioned to provide uh, these products, whether it's, uh, you know, for uh, for having a, 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 a roof over one's head in one manner or another or uh, for uh, food itself. 
uh, to be able to actually do that work. And so uh, it, this isn't prohibiting them from doing that work. It's saying we need to do it in the appropriate and responsible places. And so uh, th- I think that that's uh, all going to uh, you know, work together over time. And then in terms of, of the donation to our local social service agencies, you know, we're going to be putting signage on the sides of the highways and in some pretty key areas that ask individuals in the community to support, uh, to support those same so- social service agencies like the Busby, like Elizabeth Fry or John Howard and others, uh, because they, uh, need the funding. And they are best positioned to be able to refer for that long-term help, whether it's for housing or mental health supports or addiction support. So, so this isn't a case of someone who wants to hand a sandwich to somebody who's homeless or, or a tent. They're, they're, so some people say, well, now they're not going to let me do it. Right. And you have to remember that this is only talking about in public spaces, right? So it's not talking about uh, where we see some of these uh, tent, uh, as they call them, tent cities or encampments. Uh, you know, most mostly we see them on on private land, not on public land. But uh, it's also you know asking uh, our, our our social service agencies to try to uh, promote this to the right locations. And so we'll see where that goes over time. And some of these things are going to work, and some of them aren't. Yeah. Some of them are going to be successful, and some of them are we're going to go. Okay, we need to to take another tact. And so uh, we'll we'll have to wait and see what our public servants come back with. Now, the city's put up what is it eight hundred twenty five thousand over the next two years too, putting your money where your mouth is, yeah. and uh, what. What 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 some of those dollars go toward? Well, it's almost one point seven million over two years. It's eight hundred and twenty five yeah. a year. Plus, there's some other uh, signage uh, costs, etc. So, uh, we're, we are putting our money where our mouth is. We're trying to say, hey, uh, we know there's a problem. Uh, we're, we're hearing that. Uh, we know that some of the public spaces are uh, not as safe as they should be at this point. And so, instead of coming down with uh, the the teeth of the law. Let's let's come in with a proactive approach that provides opportunities for folks to get help, and let's support those agencies that are best positioned to do it. So that will fund the heating and cooling. It'll fund the uh, prisoner release uh, uh, transportation that we're working on right now. It'll fund uh, the sandwiches to be given out by the Salvation Army or other organizations, and also fund you know projects that we can find working with the county or the provincial or federal government to do a better job on the ground. Again, much work to be done on this, much consultation and public meetings as well. The Barry DIY online market is back in time for Father's Day, but with a new twist, Barry 360's MJ gets the scoop from market founder Carrie Lynn Embrack. You guys, uh, you know, uh, continue to, to grow in, in, in your Facebook group. Uh, what sorts of events are you guys gearing up for right now? Yeah, so currently we are doing dads, grads, and more, so it can be, it's pretty broad in the sense that it can be anything from dads, grads, weddings, summer. You sent me something really cute yesterday. You guys have a little something additional in order to kind of uh, hype the group up a little bit. Tell me uh, a little bit about what you guys are hiding around the city. We thought it'd be fun to go out and start a, we're calling it Locals Finding Locals scavenger hunt where we're dropping off swag bags that the other vendors and I have put together some goodies and stuff that we've made and put into bags. And we thought we would just go to local businesses and see if they'd be on board for circle sharing circles. And the outcome has been amazing. So we've been to quite a few and we plan to go to more. Um, So, so far we have been to the Snack Shack Berry Hill Farms, Timpano, and the Season Center for Grieving Children. And we didn't know if people would really be on board just 
because we've never done it before. And they are so welcoming and they want to be a support, which in my mind has been absolutely amazing because if we all kind of just ask for support, especially locally, just think of the difference that that could make in our community alone. And then this weekend we will be going to um, buddying up with COPE. So we'll be dropping some stuff there. Um, But they've been very supportive and want to help support local companies as well. And they've all just, everywhere we've been has just been very supportive and want to support other local companies. And our community, we all want to buy local as well. So if we just kind of ask around or see this or we thought if we could open eyes to other local places that people might not be aware of, it's just going to make a really big impact on a lot of local companies who are struggling still. And the way it works is each bag has a card attached to it. On that card, there's a QR code. So when you find the bag, you scan the QR code, and then you post a photo of what you found, and then you tag that local business in our market. So the QR code brings you directly to our market. And so the purpose of that is our members will see those local businesses within our community, and on their end, their members will see our market as well and our vendors as well. So we're, we're sharing our circles of people so that there's more awareness about all the amazing local businesses that are here. You can access the market on Facebook at DIY Market Online. What Barry's talking about is a weekly podcast featuring the best Barry and Simcoe County has to offer and more. We've covered a lot of ground since we began almost a year ago, got caught up recently with local singer-songwriter Kyle Walkup, met another in Heather Hill who's making life-affirming, uplifting music at her home in the Blue Mountains, and we learned how to play two-pong table tennis using both hands. You can get caught up and make it easy to keep up in the future by subscribing to what Barry's talking about through any podcast distributor. Still to come on what Barry's talking about, funny-looking fruit. Does it taste all right? Apparently it does. And you can get it cheaper than the good-looking stuff. A new kid running the bases for the Barry Bay Cats and a rescue 411 service for campers. Now this. It's cool to care. It's a well-known fact blood transfusion saves lives. It's also a well-known fact that the world relies on voluntary unpaid donations to fill the need for blood. The need for blood never ends. Canadian Blood Services in Barrie is calling on you to help save a life. Please consider donating today. Appointments are mandatory and must be booked in advance. Book today at blood.ca through the Give Blood app or by calling 1-888-2-DONATE. Cool to Care is brought to you by the Peggy Hill Team. Keeping it real all the way to sold. Reach out now at PeggyHill.com. It's Cool to Care with 107.5 Cool FM. This is what Barry's talking about from Barry 360. I'm Dan Blakely. He's the new kid on the block, J.P. Tibbetts, the on-first guy for the Barry Baycats this season, a local boy with big dreams who's been on the Baycats radar for some time. Our Will Conkin makes the introduction. How did baseball start for you? When did you get that first itch? So I started at a young age. I started when I was four years old. started uh, in Barry through T-ball and whatever, and then worked my way up, played AAA growing up, and 
made my way down to Team O and then thought it would be the right move to play for the Baycats this year. Yeah, you're originally from Barrie? That's correct. How was like the recruitment process for uh, for the Baycats? Did Josh Matlow kind of reach out to you? Had he been keeping like an eye on you for a while or so? Or Yeah, so actually I got a DM from Josh Matlow and just inviting me out to come to one of the tryouts. And I was like, sure, sure, let's see what it's about and whatever. And kind of just blew up from there. And then I got to talking with him. And apparently he had seen me play a few times and he was interested. So, yeah. Nice. Oh, man. So everything kind of seemed to really progress. Like you were playing baseball yeah. at a young age, then Team Ontario. And then all of a sudden, yeah. all right, let's play for the Baycats. That's in my, it. Kind of my hometown. That's it. Yeah. If you want to kind of maybe touch on that, what does it feel kind of be playing for your hometown it's uh it's really it's really cool you know going out to the stadium seeing a bunch of people you know you've grown up with uh other people you've idolized obviously i was around the bay cats i uh obviously being from barry went to some of the bay cats games and helped out with the camps and whatever growing up and then playing with these guys that i used to coach with essentially at these camps it's pretty surreal as it kind of uh taking you off guard kind of like the trajectory like you're still quite young and you're like I kind of said, you're progressing like mm-hmm. so fast. Like, did it kind of take you off guard? Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely a lot to soak in and absorb as you as you grow up and go through this. Like 19 years old playing against men who've been in the league for 15 years and whatnot. So it's it's a lot to take in at first. Yeah. Uh, can you feel that right away? Like playing against like grown men. Uh, you know what? The first couple games, yeah, obviously some jitters and some nerves. But again, it's baseball, right? I've been doing it my whole life. It's the same game, so. Try and get used to that for sure. What positions do you play, stats, that? What are you adding to the team? So I'm a first baseman. I also pitch a little bit, so I'll be coming out of the pen in a few games for the Baycats this year, hopefully. And uh, 6'3", like 230 pounds and whatnot. So obviously I can swing it pretty well. I've got some power to the pull side and hopefully just clutch up and get some runs and RBIs for the boys. And yeah. Do you ever find it kind of difficult? Maybe I know like you're still young and just getting your feels and all, but is it difficult at all to kind of work on yourself individually as a player to get better and also help the team? Or do you kind of feel like they kind of coincide together? You know, I feel like they do go hand in hand. You know, when I play good, then the team plays good. If I feel good, then the team feels good. And I feel like if I'm up and about and cheering on the boys and whatever, like the, the environment, the atmosphere around the Bay Cats is always really positive. So it's easy to stay hype and stay active and whatnot, but yeah. Uh, yeah, it seems like they have a, a really good uh, group around them. Josh seems like he's set up yep. a good kind of system. Yeah, there. we've got a really good core group of guys, and we've done a lot of like bonding and fundraisers and charity work and stuff like that, so all the guys really appreciate what everybody brings to the table. Obviously, everyone wants to win a championship. For sure. Kinda, what, are, what are your goals this year, maybe individually and team? For sure. I think I think we've got a really good, we've got an army this year. We've got a lot of guys, so I think we're really going to try and make a run for it. And uh, individually, you know, I just, I, I want some doubles, some, uh, some RVIs and a bomb or two to throw in there. And that, that's about it. Yeah. Uh, another kind of question I always like asking, do you, obviously you like playing in front of the home crowd, but do you kind of like road games more than home games or does it not really matter just being on the on the on the diamond that's all that matters just uh just happy to play for sure but yeah home games it's obviously cool you know you the other team gets chirped you go away and you get chirped but uh it's part of the game so yeah you just you, t- you uh you're pretty able to tune the crowd out for the most part and it all goes well is there anything else you'd like to add or kind of like maybe say to some Bay cats fans on the air right now uh keep coming out keep supporting the team we uh we love to see you guys out at the diamond and i think it's going to be a good year the Baycats enter this week's action with a 4-4 four four record. 
Looking for cheaper fruits and veggies? Doesn't matter what they look like. MJ is back with details of a new service that gets the odd-shaped produce the stores don't want and will deliver it to your door. She's with Eat Impact's Anna Stegink. What is Eat Impact exactly? We are a produce box, um, so we enable farmer-led eating and we source imperfect and surplus produce that's at risk of going to waste, and that's how we curate our weekly selection. So uh, our customers customize their box to make sure they receive items they love, and it's about 40% off what you'd find at the grocery store. Nearly 60% of all food produced in Canada goes to waste, and it's a massive and complex problem, and uh, results in about 10% of all greenhouse gas emissions. So we're trying to build a sustainable food system. A lot of the systems from the fact that people are, are so used to, you know, their their apple being perfectly red and round or their banana being a certain size or, or all yeah. that kind of stuff. Um, has it really, I guess it is a problem where people just think that if it doesn't look great, it doesn't taste great. Well, we've been conditioned by the modern grocery store to expect a certain type of produce that looks a certain way. But realistically, most produce that's grown does not look that way. So because of this... Um, you know, grocery stores don't want food that maybe looks a little bit funny, but it's perfectly fresh, it's delicious, sometimes it's even more nutritious. So we source all that type of produce, and that's why it's at a discount for, for customers. And with food inflation costs right now, it's a, a really important problem we're trying to solve, where we're getting local people access to better food for less money. And if people were to sign up, say, for a box, what can they expect to receive? Well, we have a, a whole bunch of different boxes. We have a small mix, a medium mix, a large mix. We have all fruit, all veg, all organic. Um, and then we basically reach out to our farmers and our, our vendors, and we ask what's available that week. They let us know, and that's how we kind of build our boxes. But then everything can be swapped for something else. So, you know, we have a bigger list than what you just see that goes into the box. And then if you don't like mushrooms, you can just swap it out for, for whatever you want. Is it also an opportunity for people to maybe try a vegetable that they never tried before? Absolutely. And then you also might get something that's, you know, completely different than you normally see. Like most of the carrots we get are very funny, um, but there's nothing wrong with them. That's what's so great about it. And then I think one of the biggest takeaways we're getting from just talking to our customers is they're eating a lot more fresh produce just being part of this program. You guys are, like, fairly new to, to delivering up to, to our area where we are, correct? We are, yeah. We're, we're actually a very new company in general. So we started uh, just at the end of last year. Where did you uh, first start off? So we started off just working with local farmers and doing local produce. And then we realized how much of a problem food waste is. And that's why, and how much of a problem food inflation is just for people in general. So we kind of tried to merge the two issues and, and create a way for people to eat more sustainably. And sorry, that, and that is where you guys get your products, right? From like local farmers in the area? Local farmers and local distributors. Once you get your box and everything's good and you unpack it and everything, what's involved when it comes to like the packaging and everything? I know that's something that people might have issue with, like, you know, there's cardboard boxes and, 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 you know, carbon emissions to get it over to them. Everything we use is recyclable. We're a zero waste business where um, we deliver in cardboard boxes, but we pick them up the next week and we reuse them. And then, I mean, if they're in good condition. And then um, we also say it's okay to recycle them as well. But we never use plastic. Um, we use craft paper tape in our packaging as well. And then all of our routes where we uh, with our delivery drivers are optimized 
to reduce kilometers and emissions. We also donate to different tree planting organizations based on the kilometer usage um, to you know, prevent greenhouse gas emissions in that way. On the bottom of your website, I just saw it. Save money, help fix the food system, and get a vegetable that'll make you laugh. Because <laughs> we've all seen like, you know, a turn up that doesn't look quite right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You want to take advantage of this? Head to eatimpact.ca. Camping can be an adventure, especially your first time out. Unexpected adventures like animals helping themselves to your food, bad weather, bug bites. Scouts Canada has a new service for the uninitiated and for more experienced campers too. A camping cluelessness hotline. Our Ian McLennan is with Scouts Canada volunteer Matthew Coe. So, camping cluelessness, there's a 1-844 number for that. Um, I'm sure there's people out there listening going, yeah, that, 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 that's me, that's me. Why was sure. this number set up? What is this call-in phone line that Scouts Canada is operating? Uh, well, the, uh, our Camptastic helpline is uh, something we've just set up recently to, uh, to help people who are, you know, maybe going out camping for the first time, um, maybe just trying this out uh, now that uh, now that the weather's getting better uh, to call in and get some help on some of the some of the most frequent um, frequent camping mishaps that uh, that we hear about from uh, from scouters from scouts and um, you know just help them through help them through small problems that uh, that might come up while they're camping whether it's um, you know I don't know what to do about this skunk that's coming through my camp or uh, one of my tent poles just snapped. What do I do? Um, you know, how, how do I deal with ticks? Or you know, it's it's gotten dark and I'm not sure how to how to get my camp lit well again. So if you're within, uh, if you're out camping and you do have that cell service, you can you can reach out. And uh, what happens when a person does call in and they've you know they've got a question or two or three? It's an automated helpline. So we've got uh, we've got prepared answers uh, to ten of the most. Um, Ten of the, those most common uh, camping mishaps that uh, Canadians did tell us these these are the things that happen to me most, or you know the the things that we've heard the most that people have said this has happened to me while I've been camping. Uh, so we've prepared some answers ahead of time, and uh, other volunteer scouters and even um, active scouts uh, are the ones providing providing the answers in uh, in pre recorded messages. And some of that, uh, some of the lists too. Um, you know, you've got oh my, there's there's wildlife in the woods. I didn't know that, or or bears, or oh no, it's raining now. What do I do? Those are some of the yeah. things. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like the all all the different sorts of uh, wildlife you might encounter. How to best deal with it? Whether it's dealing with um, you know some critter walking through your campsite or realizing realizing oh someone's been through my something has been through my campsite and thinking. I should do a better job securing my food. How do I do this? Uh, so whether it's um, whether it's advice on how to keep your cooler from from getting opened, usually what uh, what we do at Scout Camp is we'll uh, set up um, the picnic table right on top of the lid. Um, it might be something that simple, or it might even be uh, how to set up uh, what we call a bear hang or a bear bag, where you gather up all your all your food in a in a bag throw a rope over a tree and actually have your food suspended about 15, 20 feet off the ground so that the only thing that can get at it is you when you need it.
And before heading out, too, if you don't want to call in, uh, there's a video series where um, from Scouts Canada people can uh, log in and, uh, you know, prep ahead of time? There are, yeah. We've, uh, we've prepared uh, videos on our, on our YouTube channel um, that have all the same tips, really easily walking through kind of how to do, how to do these different things. Um, again, it might be setting up, setting up your campfire while it's raining, setting up your shelter while it's raining, um, and even if uh, if, uh, if your listeners want to want to hear that voice, that you know that calm, reassuring voice um, before they head out, by all means, call the helpline before you go. Now, um, I believe it was Ontario Parks indicated camping at provincial parks has grown from 4.3 million camping nights in 2014 to 6.6 million in 2021. Some say that's partly due to the pandemic, but um, is it people actually now wanting to get outdoors? They're discovering that, uh, you know, for their mental health and their physical health, et cetera, that this is the way to go to, you know, discover the outdoors? Yeah, we found that as well. We've, uh, we regularly do surveys uh, among Canadians about their, their outdoorsing. Uh, preferences and uh, where they want to go, and we have found uh, the same sort of thing: a big increase in interest. Um, personally, I think it's definitely related to pandemic restrictions easing, uh, people being able to go traveling again, but maybe being a little, being a little more careful about where they go, wanting to be in the fresh air. Uh, so, trying it camping for the first time, and it's it's a great uh, it's a great way to. To, to get out and to get out of your daily routine. Um, but, you know, a lot of people trying this for the first time might not realize what they don't know, and we thought, you know what, we've been teaching inexperienced campers how to camp successfully for over 100 years. We've got this really unique perspective, uh, so let's use that to, to help people out. So we set up this helpline to help anybody, even scouters, and scouts make sure that they have a great time while they're camping. Yep, no stupid questions when it comes to camping cluelessness, right? Absolutely not. Thanks very much for your time. All right, thank you. The Scouts Camtastic Hotline is 1-844-SCOUT-101. And that's our program for this week. Thanks to Ian, MJ, and Will for their input, and to Matt Ladder for his technical expertise, and to you for listening. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe to What Barry's Talking About, rate it, review it. You can also keep up with What Barry's Talking About on Facebook and Twitter at Barry360, and on our website, Barry360.com, we also have a daily Kickstart podcast. I'm Dan Blakely. Hope you'll join us again next week.